Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook, Leadership for Organizational Growth. In it, you'll discover various leadership styles and explore theories of leadership as well as best practices for developing the specific leadership skills you need to drive revenue growth. Be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 352. This is the show's producer, Rylan Sylvester, and you might have noticed that we are publishing today's episode on Tuesday. This is going to be our new release day, so no more Mondays. We are officially a Tuesday podcast. Today, we have our host, Elizabeth Frederick, once again in the guest seat. In addition to hosting Let's Talk Sales, Elizabeth is the operations officer and senior advisor here at Criteria for Success. It's a pleasure to be chatting with you, Elizabeth. I'm so glad to be on the other side of this microphone, Rylan. <laughs> Can you give us a little introduction about yourself for any first-time listeners? Absolutely. A little bit weird for a first-time listener probably to hear the host in the guest spot, but hey, <laughs> we'll go for it. So the uh, I am, as you said, operations officer and senior advisor at Criteria for Success. We're a sales growth partner. So we work with companies that are successful. They're doing well, but they've usually hit a wall of some sort. They don't necessarily have the systems and processes and tools that it takes to get to the next level of growth. And so we deliver a mix of trainings, both leadership and sales trainings. We build sales playbooks. We um, we do individual coaching and bigger projects and consulting to, to get companies to achieve that level of growth within the, the philosophy of enabling buying, which is really important to us. So when it comes to my role at Criteria for Success, I have the the fun job of being able to manage our client engagements and really work with all of our clients. Mm -hmm. And to me, what I get so much satisfaction from in that is meeting people in businesses where I didn't even know that business existed, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And learning about so many different industries, the, the similarities between the way people sell across very different industries. And then the differences, sometimes two companies that seem very similar will have vast differences in their approach. And so for me, it it keeps life interesting and I learn a lot. This podcast is kind of an extension of that where I'm not just talking to clients, but I really have the opportunity to speak with experts from across the world of sales and of leadership and gain their insights as well. And so I feel really fortunate to be able to bring that information back to our clients. And I'm just a a lifelong learner. So it's always beneficial to me in that way. But I hope also that our listeners uh, benefit from both hearing from the guests and, um, and the great people that we're able to bring to the podcast, but also that they appreciate my perspective and, um, that's, that's something that's important to me. Just a brief personal note, I couldn't resist saying this, this podcast is airing on my 17th anniversary of my move to New York City. Oh my so gosh. Um, I've been here at this point almost half of my life, which is kind of funny <laughs> to think about. Well, that's anyway, amazing. so that's that's me. Sort of buried the lead with that one, just bring it on me during the show. <laughs> 
Well, that's great. And I I think you're a great person to have in the guest seat today because what we're going to be talking about, I think, affects all different types of businesses across all different industries. It's kind of a universal issue. And we decided to sort of do this mini episode because we've been hearing a lot of talk about this topic from our clients and our network. So we wanted to talk today about trust and leadership. So can you share with me some of the things that we have been hearing from folks that we've worked with or people that are just our partners about the different ways trust and leadership has come up both negatively and positively and how that's maybe shifted in the last couple of months? Absolutely. So as you said, trust is just a foundational concept. It's always been at the root of really human society, right? The way that we can interact with people, the way that we have friends and family and roommates and neighbors is that we trust that people are going to follow through on their commitments. We trust that that in general, people have, you know, the, the best motives behind what it is that they're doing. And that's how we get to know people. That's how life works. And of course, that's how business and how selling works. When it comes to American society, as well as globally, really, over the past years, you know, there are reports that come out, annual trust surveys, and you can see in the data that trust in a lot of institutions has been failing. And Mm -hmm. that causes a lot of the instability and the chaos that we see if people don't, if they can't agree on the same set of facts right? If there's a lack of trust in reported information, then you're operating from a very different foundation in life and that causes problems. So that's big picture context. Now let's break that down to work. (laughs) If I work for you and I don't trust that you have my best interests at heart, I'm not going to put a lot of myself into my work. I'm going to hold back. If I work for you and we sell a product or a service, and I don't trust that what I'm selling is in the best interest of our clients. I don't trust that it's of good quality or that we're able to effectively deliver or support what it is that we're selling. I'm not going to sell very enthusiastically. Or if I do, I'm going to feel dirty about it, right? Um, Mm -hmm. If I work for you and I don't trust that our organization is stable, I don't know if we're going to be in business for the next years and and months. I will likely be looking for another job because I don't have that level of trust. If I feel like as my leader, you're telling me things, you're maybe trying to give me a, a sense of what's coming and that's constantly proven wrong. You know, you're saying, oh, we're going to get back to being in the office on this date. Never mind, we switched it. Oh, this product, you know, this update is going to come out. We're going to give you this tool, this resource. And, and then the date consistently slips. You're, you're losing that level of trust. And then another way that that comes out, again, from the employee to the leader is, do I trust that I have the potential for promotion? Do I trust that I'm going to have the ability to grow in this organization? And so you have all those ways that employees need to trust their leaders, need to trust their organizations. And what we've heard from a lot of clients and what we've seen in the research when we survey clients is there will be small breakdowns in some of those areas. And that can quickly turn into a bigger problem than you expect where 
especially you see turnover and people leaving the mm -hmm. team. So I just did a lot of talking about the employee side of trust, and I wanted to make sure I gave you a response, uh, time to respond to that before I talk about the other side of trust. I think let's just jump to the next perspective. So, you know, I've been talking about an employee and how they need to trust their leader and their organization. Well, as a leader, I need to trust my employees. You saw a lot of this um, as there was a, a quick shift to remote work at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And you had a lot of leaders who in the past had not trusted that if people were working remotely, that they would do their jobs. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of forced to accept that and, and make it happen. And they may have learned to trust their employees. They may not have. You're, you're constantly reading about, um, you know, keyboard trackers that, that employers are putting on computers and different ways that organizations are trying to track um, performance and track, mm -hmm. you know, how much people are focused on their job. And while that is important, what that can indicate is a lack of trust that employees are really going to do their best, are really going to get their work done. And if employers don't trust employees, you see a lot of breakdowns. It, on the sales side, we often see that different parts of the organization don't trust salespeople to have product knowledge or service knowledge. They don't trust that they're going to give the right information to buyers. We see that they don't trust that salespeople are going to present the best solution in the best way. They, they, they're terrified that, you know, they're going to come, come into the office one day and sales is going to say, you know, we sold X, Y, Z. Like, what on earth did you sell? That is not something we do, <laughs> right? And you see from finance, they don't always trust that sales are going to go for um, the, the highest margin necessarily. They, they, a lot of times they'll think, oh, sales, they're just going to, you know, discount as much as they need to, to close the deal. And so you really can see these trust challenges when they're coming from leaders in the organization, not trusting employees. That creates a tense, uncomfortable environment. And employees can sense, they can tell when their leaders don't trust them. They can tell when people in other departments don't trust them. And what that creates is an us versus them mindset. And that's incredibly challenging to have mm -hmm. a, a positive, productive work environment if you have those breakdowns of trust. Totally. And what I'm hearing too, and I, I know we'll include this in some of the resources um, in the show notes, but that we saw that some leaders were overestimating how much their employees trusted them and some obviously leaders were not trusting their employees at all. So no matter what, you kind of have this uh, lack of connection or miscommunication going on between both sides um, of teams. And that can be really difficult and have some negative impacts. Absolutely. And uh, the next component of it, obviously, in a sales context is buyers. And do buyers trust the organization? Yeah. Do buyers trust that you're going to deliver the product or the service that they thought that they were buying? Do they trust that you're going to be around to offer mm -hmm. support on an ongoing basis? Do they trust 
that as a business, you're operating well in the world, that their money isn't going to support an organization that's hurting the community or that's, um, you know, not protecting their data, that's not protecting their their information. There's so much trust that consumers need to have in an organization in order to feel comfortable buying from it. And that's from a B2C perspective, as well as a B2B perspective. If I'm buying on behalf of my organization, I need to trust that you're not going to make me look bad Mm -hmm. to my boss for going with you as a vendor. And this is where, as smaller and mid-sized organizations work to enable buying, they work to make sure that the customers are willing and, and able to buy from them. One of the key elements of that is you need to help buyers learn to trust you because you can, there's an, natural level of trust that comes with the big name brands. Mm -hmm. And there might be concerns as well, but there's still just a level of they're a solid business. There's tons of reviews. I can see all of this information about them. They've been around forever. They're going to stay around forever. And that that's a foundation of trust that as a, as a startup, as a small business that maybe doesn't have that name recognition as a regional player in one region that's trying to expand outside your normal, you know, outside your historical sphere of business, you don't have those advantages of trust and it can be a a blind spot in a lot of organizations where you'll hear from especially key executives. You know, it's a CEO saying, oh, when I talk to customers, I always have great conversations and they open up and they share things with me. And it's like, yes, because you're the CEO (laughs) and (laughs) salespeople have a slightly different conversation with that same prospect. And the prospect isn't necessarily going to open up to them. And that's that's a level of um, kind of trust and respect that that ties together. And so it it all fits together. And, And when you look at just a lot of the chaos that we see in various aspects of culture that are impacting the workforce, a lot of it goes back to that foundation of trust. And so it's it's just such an incredibly important topic. As you said, we've been seeing more and hearing more about it in our work with our clients. So I'm glad that we're talking about it today. Yeah, absolutely. So we just said a lot about the negative implications of all of this. Are there, and we're going to continue this conversation and be coming out with more resources, obviously, in the future from CFS about trust and leadership and improving it. But I wondered if today you could maybe share some uh, tips or tricks for people, maybe strategies that they can work on or things to notice uh, to identify if there is a lack of trust. Um and what they can do about it. Maybe we'll, you know, we want to leave people on a positive note. We don't want to just scare everybody. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) That would not not exactly be a fun listen for anyone. Well, I think some some of these principles are pretty basic, but it is important to evaluate when you're looking at your organization. So one key element of trust is vulnerability and being willing to be vulnerable to someone, Mm -hmm. right? I am not going to be vulnerable with you unless I trust you. And by me being vulnerable with you, you're likely to trust me more because I shared that. And so as leaders, are you 
open about uncertainty? Are you open to feedback and for people to tell you that things aren't going well? Uh, I have to give an example of um, we were sitting in on a client team meeting last week and the, the leader of the team asked, okay, it's been about a month since we rolled out this new technology platform. How's it working? How, um, how do you guys feel like you're doing with it? And is it worth a continued investment? Mm-hmm. If you didn't have an environment of trust, if you didn't have an environment where people were comfortable being vulnerable, what you would have heard was, it's fine. Everything looks good. Yep. Right. Instead, we heard one person say, you know, I did a really good job with it the first few weeks and then I've just kind of lost the habit of it and I give myself a B minus. Right. And we heard from someone else. I tried this one thing and it didn't work so well. So I've kind of fallen away from using it. And we actually had a constructive conversation and it's going to lead to a next step of working together as a team to figure out. Uh, the best way to use this platform. Mm -hmm. And that demonstrates the trust they had in their leader, that he wasn't going to overreact. He wasn't going to, you know, freak out on them or, or be obnoxious or rude about it. He was, he was willing to listen and to hear. So vulnerability is one of the best ways inside an organization that you can, um, that you can gain trust and and vulnerability involves sharing your own uncertainties, your own mistakes, being willing to own up to them. But it also includes being willing to discuss uncertainty. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times as leaders, we feel that we have to be the ones coming in with an answer. And that can seem and often is disingenuous. People can tell if you're coming in with an answer, but you just kind of pulled it out of somewhere, right? It's it's not useful. It's not beneficial for your employees for you to seem solid if you're not. Because then obviously sometimes, you know, maybe things work out as you stated that they would, but a lot of times they don't. You can be confident you can provide some sense of, of certainty while still demonstrating that that things change. If, if anybody hasn't learned that, that things change and unexpected things happen over the last few years, I would, I would love to know what business you're in um, and, and potentially what medications you're on or something <laughs> that, that are enabling that, that sense to happen. Totally. Um, so within the organization, it's just, openness to feedback, it's clear communication, it's, you know, vulnerability, it's it's being willing to be uncertain. It's also um, having an environment where you're celebrating diversity and where you're practicing principles of inclusion. Um, that is an area I didn't touch on before, but that certainly impacts the level of trust that people might have, you know, somebody in an underrepresented group might have a higher barrier to trust initially. And you, you know, if you're a member of a, of a privileged class of a, of a group that, you know, has historically been well-represented, you have a responsibility to build that foundation of trust because it's, it's not necessarily going to be um, there naturally 
on its own mm-hmm. at first. And that's that's just a, a historical remnant of you know the way society has worked. And so um, within companies, that's important. We always like to say that trust needs to be earned and isn't granted, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Both ways again, right? So mm-hmm. as an employee, you, you can't necessarily expect that your employer is going to trust that you're going to do good work from day one. And so by demonstrating, by communicating, by you know showing progress, by asking questions when you have them, you're demonstrating that you're trustworthy. And what needs to happen then is that you, you are trusted, right? You can't be in that mode forever. Um, and then from, from a consumer perspective and from a selling and a buying perspective, some of the best ways to, to you know, allow that trust to grow is through stories, through references and testimonials and through referrals. And a lot of times we find that people are hesitant to ask their existing clients to provide testimonials or references, but those clients would be more than happy to do that. And, you know, certainly it depends on what it is that you're selling, Mm -hmm. but anytime you can encourage honest feedback from your existing clients in such a way that you're capturing it to present to potential future clients, that is a great way to earn the trust of potential buyers when they see, you know, whether you've got logos of all of your big clients on your website, that's fine. Um, Whether you have a few success stories that you consistently tell that really demonstrate the value of what it is that you do, whether you have, you know, some advocates out there in the world that are just singing your praises from the mountaintops, (laughs) whatever, whatever makes the most sense in your organization. But, um, some of the best ways to help gain trust for buyers can't come from you. It needs to come from other people. And that's something that's important for leaders to understand. Um, certainly, you know, you need to be out there and, and sharing valuable information and, and being trustworthy. But a lot of that um, from the buying side really does need to come from outside parties. Absolutely. So this was all really good advice um, from the CFS team sort of, right? This is, I stand by what you're saying. I wondered if you had any resources you wanted to recommend to our listeners? Absolutely. So um, as you know, we're always publishing eBooks and and other resources. So I'm gonna share a couple of the criteria for success resources that I think would be helpful. Um, But I also wanna recommend a lot of the foundational research that we've been looking at as we explore this concept of trust came from um, trust surveys that have been done by organizations like PricewaterhouseCooper and Edelman. And so we'll include links to some of those um, core kind of sources of information in the show notes. Um, But we've got an ebook on being a grateful leader how to practice gratitude to improve your life and work. I do find that as a leader, having a practice of gratitude for yourself and that you are demonstrating to your team can be a really great way to build stronger relationships and to foster trust. There's also an important element of having a practice of gratitude where it actually helps you to have a more positive mindset and 
be more open in the world. And so if you have that practice of gratitude, you're likely going to consciously or subconsciously seem less critical of others and seem um, more open to what it is that they have to say, which is uh, another great way really to to build trust. Um, another one, and we haven't updated, uh, I don't think we've, we've referenced this ebook in a little while, but it's, it's just a great principle. If you feel like you're not sure uh, how people are looking at you, how people might think of you, we have an ebook on growing self-awareness, building better relationships to improve your life. And mm-hmm. if you have some concerns about how you trust other people, how other people trust you, how your communication might be fostering or inhibiting trust, I would really recommend that you check that out. Awesome. Well, thanks, Elizabeth. This has been so great. We'll obviously be continuing this conversation and coming out with more resources related to this topic. So listeners, if you have any ideas, feedback, or guest suggestions, please feel free to reach out. Um, And actually on that note, Elizabeth, where can listeners learn more about you and your work? They can go to criteriaforsuccess.com. Um, they can also find me on LinkedIn and you'll include the link to that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Elizabeth, and I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thank you so much for organizing this, Rylan. It was a lot of fun talking to you about this. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. You can find the notes and resources for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod three, five, two. As a reminder, if you subscribe to the show, you'll get every new episode as soon as it's posted. You can subscribe for free wherever you're listening right now. If you enjoyed today's show, please recommend us to a friend to help more people discover it. Also, we love feedback. You can leave us ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts or email us with feedback, questions, or guest suggestions at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook. And don't forget to check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success. Happy selling.